We're, not wait, we're waiting on the return of the Lord, are we not? But we have a duty, an obligation, teaching and preaching the things which the Lord has laid on our hearts through the Spirit. He says, see that you, have, you come behind in no gift. He says, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye be, not blame, be blameless not in the day of the Lord? Jesus Christ. So he's saying, I'm, I'm thankful for you that he, you'll continue to grow in these things. He says, God is faithful by whom we were called unto the fellowship of our son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He had provided a way for that church to succeed there in Corinth, despite the conditions that they were in. We know that each one of the churches that were written to had a different circumstance that surrounded them. But particularly, Corinth had a number of issues that he had to address with them for this reason or that. And then he begins to address those things starting in verse 10 there. He was addressing this as a matter of unity. Divisions cannot exist in the church, although they do sometimes. But the purpose of our unity in Christ is so that we can be a perfect and complete witness to the world. If we have divisions amongst us, it gives way for the world to say, I don't need that. They've got, they've got problems. We've got problems out here. Why do we need to serve the Lord? So Paul was calling for them to be unified. In these first particular passages of Scripture here. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, verse 10, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we all speak the same thing, and that there is no division among you, but that yet ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me that you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I have been baptized in my own name. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beside, I know not whether I am baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. This is a pretty stern rebuke to start off a letter, don't you think? He, he's, he's trying to get their attention. He references these divisions for reason. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 8. Oh, excuse me. 11, yeah, that's 11 and 8. No, that's not right. <laughs> Y'all bear with me just a second. I could always write these things down wrong. I think it was 8 and 11. Mm -hmm. 
You'll never know what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to write something down every now and again. <laughs> Anyways, we'll, we'll move forward. I won't look for it and waste time. But we know that these contentions were, were listed among them. Why? They fought over various things. Who was this? Who was established by this? And who was established by that? What was Paul's lesson to them? It's not about who you were baptized by. That's irrelevant. <laughs> he says, you, my brethren, by which are of the house of Chloe, that you, there are contingents among you. So apparently Chloe's household was amongst them and said, there's an issue here. We've got some, we've got some infighting. We need to be unified in Christ. How do we do that? We need to come together and set aside our differences for serving the Lord. He tells them this because they need to be focused on serving the Lord. We're supposed to be about our father's business as Christ said to his parents when we talked about it last week. So we are to have the same mindset. To be serving the Lord, we're not to be concerned about who is this and who is that. Paul tells them there, he says, I, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. He said he only baptized Crispus and Gaius in their, in their assembly. He said, why? He said, lest anyone, any should say that I have baptized in my own name. We talk about our baptism here. It's, who do we say it? It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, isn't it? So it's not in Tyler Porterfield's name, or it's not in Ed Brown's name, or it's not in Tony Ruff's name, or Wayne Ruff's name. But it's, we're baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These divisions were useless. It only caused problems. He says that I baptize also the household of Stephanus, and besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I think he's trying to get across that baptism is important, but the purpose that he had there was to preach and teach the word of God. And that was their duty as well. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Real quick. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. <clears throat> it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, according to God, hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one one's members one of another, having them gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether in prophecy let us prophesy against the proportion to the portion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, and he that teacheth on teaching, and he that exhorteth in exhortation, and he that giveth 
Let him do with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. And let not let love be without dissimulation. Harbor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kind and affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. And bless those who persecute you and bless and curse not. Rejoice that them that do rejoice and weep not with those weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, but con, uh, be, condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to all men evil, no evil for evil. Provide things honest to the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as life within you, peace, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give praise for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For if in so doing, you heap coals of fire upon his head. So he tells them there, and in, in, in this place in Romans here, that there to be a, a living, acceptable sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. We are members one of another. He goes on to talk about that. Why is this all important? Because like Brother Gary mentioned this morning, what I do affects you. What you do affects me. We come together as the body of Christ. If there's something going on in one of us, it affects all of us, whether we talk about it or not. Brother Paul was writing to the church at Corinth because he was concerned for them. He wrote to the church at Rome as he was concerned, uh, the churches at Rome, because he was concerned for them. And the point is there is that those divisions amongst them, the body can't work when it's divided against itself, can it? So the intention there is for us to come together and work together. And being absent from one another, can we help one another very much? No. We can't. Why is it that we come together and meet as a body? It's because we strengthen and encourage one another. We can't be knit the way we're supposed to be, as the scripture identifies it, without coming together and doing those things. Being not a part of the body, you can't function independently of yourself without the other life-sustaining organs, can you? You can't. I can't take my heart out and it still pump. It needs the rest of the body. It needs the mind to tell it to pump. It needs the blood to pump to the rest of the body to, pro- to provide it with oxygen and life-sustaining materials. If I'm outside the body of Christ, I cannot exist in Christ. I need Christ to provide those things through the Spirit to grow and mature. To encourage you. Do you encourage me? You get what I'm saying here? This is the will of God. This is not the will of Tyler or the will of Brother Gary or anybody else. But it's an instruction here so that we can function properly as a body. 
turn back over to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians, back over in those last couple of verses there. We have no other option or way in our and being dedicated to serving the Lord, but in the body of Christ. Jesus completely wipes all doubt away of that by him saying what? I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one cometh to the Father except through me. He doesn't proclaim that to come through any other person but Christ. So he tells them here about these divisions. Those are those people do the work of God. They're not they're not the head of the body. They're not the the head of each group. This is not the assembly of Brother Tyler Porterfield. This is Banner Missionary Baptist Church where Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, not me. Not Brother Wayne, not Brother Ed. Brother Paul's teaching and, and writing to them because these things were happening amongst them. They were following this person or that person. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Maybe I wrote this one down right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start in verse 11 there. Chapter 12, verse 11. It says, But all these things worketh that one and the same spirit divided to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of the one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free or have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is there therefore not of the body? Ooh. If the whole body were an eye, and were the hearing, if the if excuse me, I cannot speak. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But not hath not now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble and are necessary. And are those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor, and that our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness? For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Whether one member suffer, and all members suffer with it, whether one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, 
And that miracles and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Have all the gifts of healing, do with speak all speak the tongues, do all interpret, but covet honestly the the best gifts, and yet show it unto you a more excellent way. So we all make up the body of Christ. But we all can't have the same function. Brother Jared Baker, I think it's Brother Jared Baker that says this, if all the body were the same, I think it's a sign there at New Macedonia, isn't it, Brother Gary? If all the members were the same. There you go. That's perfect. That's better. I know I couldn't remember it this morning. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> so if they were all the same, that we were all like me, how would we be? Ooh, I don't know that I'd want everybody to be like me. Or <laughs> I use myself as an example, so that that's not a very good example. <laughs> so we're not all to be the same. But yet, if we don't perform our function in the assembly, what happens? We fall apart. If my foot has an infection in it and it gets, you know, bad, they have to cut it off, don't they? How hard is it going to be for me to get around? It's going to be really hard. That's why every person in the assembly is needed. If we're fighting against one another, or we have problems, or these things going on, or we're not participating one with another, then there's a problem. In order for this assembly to function... We have to work together. We have to be together. We have to spend time together. We can't reach those folks out there without working together. So it is important that the body functioning as one unit with the same mind, the mind, the same mindness of Christ. I like what Brother Gary said this morning and over there in the book of Judges. That's one of my favorite passages there. Because of Achan's sin, what happened? The whole nation of Israel suffered. They were defeated. They lost 36 men. Not only that, their reputation was hurt and amongst their enemies. We see that same thing where Israel worshiped the golden calf when Moses went up on the mountain. What happened there? God said, I'm going to do away with them. I'll, I'll get rid of them and I'll raise up new, a new nation to honor and glorify me. And Moses like, no, you've carried them this far. Your name has gone before them. Just don't, don't get rid of them. He says, we, you know, give them a chance, basically. Well, what happened? I made it to Meribah. Brother Tony, I saw Brother Tony's post about that fountain reminded me of that same story about the fountain of Meribah. Meribah. Moses what, did not do what the Lord told him to do, but he struck the rock. And what happened? They got bitter water. But there was, there's a reminder there. We need to do what the Lord tells us to do. Who are we to tell the Lord what to do or to do what we want to do? But we are to serve the Lord and we're to do it the right way, the way the Lord wants us to do it. 
And it shows that our actions affect those around us. I think that's why the scripture talks about confessing your sins to one another. Because it's a hard thing to do, but it's also cleansing. And it teaches us that we are all imperfect in the flesh. But we're being remade into likeness of Christ. That's the purpose and intent of the scripture there. Let's look back over again at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, for, in verse 17 again, he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not to the wisdom of this world, of wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of, the, of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ Jesus crucified unto the Jews a stomach block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is the wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we see this exemplified throughout the scripture here. He says, For the preaching of the cross, to them that perish foolishness, but unto them which are saved is the power of God. What did we read over in Acts? What did Gallio say? You deal with your own stuff. This is not for me to judge. It's your own laws, your names, and your things. That's not to do with me. It was foolishness to him that these people were so whipped up and upset that they wanted to kill Paul or do something to him. But the Jews were so upset that they took it out on their own leaders. Why? Because... There was some conviction going on there. It says that they'd already worked on one of the, he worked on Crispus in his household. We see here by the beginning of this letter that they worked on Sososthenes. So we're still to continue doing this preaching here, aren't we? Whether it's, whether it's received or not received by these people. He says, Preaching of the cross is to them that, that perish foolishness, and that unto them which are saved it is the power of God. Well, we're here, that's half the battle. We understand that we have something required of us, don't we? We've been delivered from the foolishness of the world. This word is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. We see this demonstrated in uh, the Proverbs where he's talking to, talking to his, he's writing as those to his son. But what happens to the foolish that he talks about over there continually? Their whole life is upended. 
It's not established. But Christ provided a better way for us. Amen. That the church here at Corinth was struggling with. They were, they were struggling to be established here because, why? Those Jewish brethren thought it was foolishness. They, they, didn't, they didn't understand a word of what was going on, but Paul still continued to preach to them because he, that was what he was supposed to do. He says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? We see now as we look, look back, I know at various points in my life, the things that I've done were foolish, right? Because I understand now that I've made mistakes and those mistakes, what I can do to fix them for future application. So the same thing here. The wisdom of God does what for us? It reveals all of that to us. He tells them there, these people, Jews and Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. They wanted to know that this was what was the Lord's people. But he'd already given them plenty of signs. He'd given them Jesus, and they didn't even recognize him. He sent the apostles to teach them to teach them what it. They'd kill them and stone them and try to drive them away. They did the same thing they did to the prophets that the Lord sent to Israel. What did he tell them over there? He says, you killed the prophets. And you buried them. And you talk good things about them now. <laughs> he says, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews' stumbling block and under the Greeks' foolishness. The Jews couldn't get over that part. Why do you think the church was established the way it was? Is because the Jews didn't the majority of the Jews didn't understand it. They couldn't get past the law. That was the stumbling block. The teachings of the Old Testament. And under the Greeks' foolishness, they didn't get they didn't comprehend it. You see Paul give a defense over in Rome uh, to, the, to the church at Rome. I think it was at Mars Hill in Acts. He says, you've got the, the altar to the unknown God here and you don't know who he is. And he tried to expound on it. Some of them understood and some of them didn't. They were blinded. We all understand that the foolishness of this world brings what one thing? Condemnation. But we know that the wisdom of God provides some, something far much better. It provides everlasting life to those who would seek to, to submit to it. He says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Ouch. <laughs> We like to put ourselves up to be something that we're actually not. That was part of the problem there. They, one thought they were better than the other. And the, and the problem was is that they were trying to, he was trying to show them, this doesn't matter. What you need to focus on is serving the Lord. He says for, verse 26, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men and not many noble are called. 
But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God hath chosen ye, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who God has made unto the wisdom, as wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption, that according to as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He said all that to say this. He says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many of many wise men are after the flesh, and not many mighty, and not many are noble are called. But you're called. Why? Because they submit we submit to the teachings of God. But we have to get past ourselves. We have to get past the divisions we have amongst ourselves. We have to get past what, the wisdom of this world. It's not going to do anything for us. But he says the, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's where we have this wonderful thing we have here is in Christ. That was the intent Paul was getting them to focus on. We're in Christ. The body of Christ. The church. Not that it's made up of the headed by this man or that man, but it's all to Christ. He's the head of it. So that we can glory in the Lord and not in ourselves. The letter that's written here is important for us. Not just Corinthians, the letter, the first Corinthians, second Corinthians, but the letters that are written here by Brother Paul are important. Why? Because it talks about the church. It talks about the problems they have in the church. It talks about the things that go on in the and amongst these people. Are these exact things happening to us today? Not necessarily. Some of them are. The problems that we have. But Paul as an apostle was charged with what? With overseeing the things of the church. Encouraging, strengthening. Helping straighten out those conflicts. Showing the more perfect way that the Lord had shown him. And we're just getting the tip of the iceberg here. He wanted to get the problems with the contentions out of the way. Why? So that they could focus on what was important, which was Christ. So let us consider these things. Do we have any problems amongst ourselves? Do we have any divisions, any things that cause problems? These men didn't think they had a problem, but they did apparently. One said he was of Paul, one said he was of Paulus. I've seen this amongst the Lord's people too. We can say, well, I'm from brother so-and-so's church or I'm from some brother so-and-so's church or I was raised under brother so-and-so. It's not 
that that man's not important, but he was doing the work of the Lord. We're not following the man, we're following the Lord. He used that man to teach us and show us things. So let us consider these things. As we delve deeper into 1 Corinthians, let's examine ourselves as a whole and as individuals. What do we make up? We make up the church as individuals together. So it's it's about introspection, about looking at ourselves as a church and how do we move together as the body of Christ. That's all I have for you this morning. Thank you for your time. Now, keep in mind, there's Ed and Andy. Keep, keep in mind, this is not a timer. This is just recording. <laughs> it's good to see you all again. Surely it is. Please uh, pray for me as I stand here and I see what the Lord has said. I, Brother Tyler had asked me about preaching tonight, and I was planning on that, and I figured I'd See what the Lord had laid on my heart this afternoon. So I hadn't planned on standing up here today. I would love to hear Brother Ed. I hope he's okay. They just pulled in. So. They did. Well, I, I'll be glad to go back there and sit down and let him come up here. That is totally up to you. I think you're doing the same way. It's totally up to you. But it may take him a minute to come in. Well. We, we talk a lot about our need for one another in the body of Christ and how that we're connected and what we do affects one another. I was driving along listening here a week or two ago to the last part of, of Deuteronomy and to the first part of Joshua I had it on CD while I was driving. And it struck me of how one man's sin affected the whole body to such an extreme extent. Let's turn over to Joshua. I preached about this shortly after I, at home, shortly after I uh, was listening to those verses. And I'll keep it a little shorter today. I read like several chapters at that time. It's a blessing to me. I know. Good morning, Brother Ed. Good morning. It's a blessing to me to read these things. I know some people, I hear brethren preach and they talk about, you know, I'm, they want to keep it short here and not read too much. And I know, I'm kind of the other way. I love reading God's Word. And it just blesses my heart to, to look at what, like in Joshua here, we got these examples that. God blessed Israel in these miraculous ways. And it blesses my heart to read the, read about them. we we'll read about a little bit in starting chapter 6. Now back, when we back up in the previous few chapters, we read about where God miraculously delivered these kings on the other side of Jordan that was referred to, as, to them as. He gave those people into the hand of Israel and they were destroyed. Israel destroyed them by, by the commandment of the Lord. We come up and they were crossing the, uh, the uh, Jordan River. 
And imagine this scene, what the scriptures tell us about. They, the priests were bearing the ark of the Lord, and Joshua told them, let, let them go in front of you. You said, we've not been this way before. And the priest went up to the river of Jordan. Uh, the scriptures tell us that at the, river of, at the time that they crossed the river, it was in flood stage. It wasn't just a little stream. It was in flood stage. Now we, uh, back back home, I know I noticed my driving around out in this part of the world, people build their houses right up next to the rivers. Uh, at home, if you do that, it probably won't last a year. It'll be washed downstream because we have some pretty big rains and a, a creek that's small gets huge and does all kinds of damage. Well, think about the River Jordan being in flood stage. You know, it wasn't just down its banks. It's out over its banks, out into the fields, wide probably. We know how rivers get when they get in flood stage. Well, the people carrying the ark, the priests carrying the ark, they walked out there, out in front of the, uh, front of the rest of the group a pretty good ways, and it says when they dipped their feet into the water, let the river stop flowing from above. The water just banked up. Can you imagine this? I mean, you're looking at a river in flood states, all kinds of water. It becomes a big wall, and it gets bigger and bigger as the water comes down. The wall gets bigger. It floods more places upstream. On and on, back upstream, it's flooding. And the water here in front of the people of Israel, it runs down in the ground. And they walk across on dry land. And God told Joshua, he said, have uh, one from each tribe go out here and gather up a a big stone out of the middle of the river and carry it out. And you're going to make a monument, you could say, out of those stones as a memorial to what God did. They took, the, took these rocks out of the middle of the Jordan River, out of the bottom of, of the riverbed, carried them out, one stone for each tribe. And that was a monument. And it said, whenever your children ask you about what this means, you said, you tell them this is for God. God dried up this river and allowed us to go over the river on dry ground. A miraculous feat. Then we, we get into chapter 6. See, God, God performing these miracles. He's promised the land of Israel. I mean, this land to Israel. And the, the nations that live there are scared to death of it because they know what God's already done. And they know that God has promised to give Israel this land, and they know God has told Israel to destroy everybody there. You can imagine the fear they had. And they'd already, they already knew what God had did to Egypt years before. Chapter 6. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, and you shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, 
and the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on, and to pass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord, and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and rearward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. So picture this. You've got a, a large group of people circling the city, and behind them you've got the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, and behind them you've got the rest of the group of people, the armed men, circling the city. And Joshua had commanded, now think about this, what this verse says. Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall you shout. So the ark of the Lord passed the city, going about it once, and it came, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Think about this. Seven days, seven days, Joshua said, don't even speak. Don't say nothing. Can you imagine this huge camp of, oh, how many thousands? A huge group. Not a word being spoken in that camp for six days. Obeying the voice of the Lord, we can say, well, what would happen if they just spoke? Well, God holds true. Things don't work too well for his people when they disobey, but they obeyed. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of pent up pent up energy there ready when that time came. What a wonderful thing to think on. Verse twelve And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually, just like they'd already done the first day, and blew with the trumpets and the ark. Armed men went before them, but the river came after the ark of the Lord, and the priest going on, blowing with the trumpets. So we're not hearing any voice, any talking, nothing but the marching of the footsteps of the people and the blowing of the trumpets. And the second day they can pass the city once and return to the camp. So did they six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and can pass the city after the same manner seven times. So previous six days, it's one trip around, go back to camp. One trip around, go back to camp. Seventh day, seven circling, seven times marching around the city. Only on that day they can pass the city seven times. And it came to pass, verse 16, at the seventh time when a priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse. 
and trouble it. Now think about what he said there. You shall in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed when you take the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the sanctuary of the Lord, or the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So as the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Let's think about that. You've got this huge army circling the city. And whenever Joshua says shout, they shouted, and the wall fell flat. The defenses of that city were useless because the miracle that God created. It wasn't the, the marching around the city weakening the foundation or some such nonsense. It was God carrying out what he said he would do. He's going to give them the city. And think about it. They didn't, they didn't have to run over here and find that gap in the wall, run over here and find this gap in the wall. They marched. They just turned right toward the city marched right over the wall because it all fell down flat. God's miracle. Verse 21. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman, and all that she hath, as he swore swear unto her, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brother and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the heart alive, and her father's household and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Her belief in granted, gave her life for her and her family, her belief, her obedience. We, know, we all know this. So belief, well, like, like faith, Without works is dead. Belief without obedience is not really even belief. We know these things. God rewards those that walk in obedience. Verse 26, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth the city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son he shall set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Now we have record further on in the scriptures that somebody did decide to build Jericho, and they did lose their children, like this verse prophesies, because they tried to build Jericho. The Lord was with Joshua. I think about all these wonderful, miraculous deliverances that God was giving, and of all the blessings God was giving his people. You know they were on a high, spiritual high. You know they were. Enjoying these blessings of God. Chapter 7. The children of Israel committed a trespass in the cursed thing. 
the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. How many people committed a trespass in this thing? How many people actually stole and hid? One person. One person. Well, look, now we're going to read here what happened to the whole congregation because of one person. You know, in society today, people like to think, well, me and you just got our own thing going. We don't need church. We don't need anybody. We're serving the Lord. I'm doing my own thing. I heard people years ago, there was a couple, uh, Linda and I were out house shopping one time. We stopped visiting these people. And in the conversation, they told us that our religion works for us. You know, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. It's not what makes me feel good. It's not what benefits me. It's not, that's not, not supposed to be what I'm living for. I'm living for my Lord. And when I'm living for my Lord, I'm living to help to further His cause, which is being a strength to one another in the body of Christ. We need each other. The scriptures bear this out over and over and over again. We can be a great help to each other or we can be hurt, uh, harm to each other. Excuse me. Okay, let's read, read down through here now. The children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Sabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. One thing I want us to realize is I've already pointed out, I hope we see when we read through here, it affected everybody. Joshua sent men from Jordan to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven. Now Joshua didn't know any, didn't know there was a cursed thing going on. He didn't know anything was going on. He thought everything was great. We're, we're, we're rejoicing in God's blessings and his mercy and his deliverance. He doesn't know yet about what's going on. Joshua sent men from Jordan, Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Let not all the people go up, but let two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. It's a small place. We don't need to send a whole army up there. It's easy. So they went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. They fled before the men of Ai. Think about this now, what we're about to read. These people, these men who didn't know anything about Achan's sin, the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. 36 men died because of Achan's sin. 36 men that had never had, didn't have any idea of what Achan had done. They died. For they chased them from Beth, from before the gate, even to Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the even tide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, 
Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before the enemy, their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do to thy great name? Joshua's on his face there in the dirt. Lord, what are we going to do? Why did you bring us over here? You remember God had appeared to Moses. God had appeared to Joshua. He'd explained to him that he was going to be with him and these people and how he was going to deliver this land to their hands. But Joshua's lost and the whole people, the whole group, they've lost all faith and and they're distraught. What are we going to do? And sometimes I think God talks to us like he did Joshua in verse 10. I think sometimes he tells me something similar to this. The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Get up, Joshua. Why are you all downcast? Get up. Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and assembled also and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought, you, sh you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah and he took the family of the Zerites and he brought the family of the Zerites man by man and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household Man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done, and hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight. Then I coveted them, and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent. They brought them unto Joshua, and all, unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. 
So picture this. He's, the messengers go and they dig up the stuff out of the, out of the earth and under the tent. They bring it back to the people and they lay it out here before the Lord. Verse 24. Let's think about what, read, I'll read this slowly. Let's, let's get what he's saying here and who all is affected by this. Achan, Achan, the one man who's already caused the death of 36 people and, and the, destroyed the, the faith of the congregation of Israel. One man, he's hid it and this stuff. It doesn't tell us if any of his family members knew about it. Very possibly they, they may and only may not have. Verse 24, And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had and they brought him into the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the valley of Achor unto this day. Achan just caused the death of 36 men. He caused the death of his wife and his sons, his daughters, all his livestock, everything. All of it was destroyed because of his sin. We have a powerful effect on others, brothers and sisters. We don't walk alone. We can be a great encouragement to one another. Thank God! I thank God for you all and, and other brothers and sisters that are such have been such a blessing to me. I need it. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your encouragement. But just as I've been so blessed by the encouragement I've received by the Lord's people, we can hurt one another too. We can just we can cause damage to our family, our church family or extended family, extended church family. We can do a lot of damage. It's serious business. It's not something to be taken lightly. I don't have my own thing going separate and apart from the Lord's people. Thank God I do have that relationship with Christ. We all do that love him and are obedience to him. But it's not separate. It's not apart from his people. Let's see if I can find the verse New Testament that I was that I read the other day. And I believe it's Hebrews. Where is it? He says, uh, "Okay, here it is." Hebrews twelve. What's the normal? Stopping time here, brother. Tyler? About 10 till 11. Hmm? You mean about three minutes ago? <laughs> okay, well, 
I won't read this chapter. I'll just read a few verses in it. Let's go down in verse 14. Well, let's, well, let's start. Let's read verse 1 before we drop down there. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. To us today, you and I, look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Thank God for my brothers and sisters that love the Lord and in such an encouragement. Let's be careful. Be careful. We can, we can be an influence for good or we can be an influence for harm without even realizing it. If we, all it takes is me to get my eyes off of serving the Lord. Let something, let something crop up in my life that I'm not willing to repent of. And then I'm going down the slippery slope for myself and for all those around me. Thank you.
there's a four out east sometimes the their signal might be more information than Kansas. You know, like Kansas. Well, sometimes I'm from Kansas out here. I don't know what teams he has. Yeah. So I was going for work at some 